What is up, everyone? <laughs> Welcome to the Say Hi to the Bad Guy podcast. It has been a few months since I put out an episode. Um, life has been very interesting, but good at the same time. Um, but every single week, I was trying to list, you know, maybe this will be the week I record. I mean, I have a lot of ideas. I got a lot of things on my mind. And just never really came about. But um, as I've been, you know, consuming shows and reading comic books and watching movies and, you know, I've been really bombarded with amazing bad guys. <laughs> and in some cases, kind of in the gray. I don't really call them bad guys all the time. As you know, one of the like you know, tenets of this show is, you know, really trying to understand whether or not these characters are bad. Um, in some cases, you know, they've all had their motivations, their trauma, their makings that turned them into who they were. Um, first two episodes, you know, we dealt with the Joker was the first one. Again, the, uh, uh, the inaugural episode. And, you know, Joker still has a lot of meat on the bone to get to. And, like, depending on the iteration we're talking about with the Joker, those can be varied between the comics, the movies, the animated films. Um, I mean, damn, even the video games are crying out loud. Um, and then the second episode was uh, one of my favorites uh, from Inglorious Bastards, the character Hans Landa. Um, well, I had a lot of fun doing that episode because I, I just love talking about that character. It's one of my favorite movies. And, you know, that, that kind of then shifted my focus on to, well, you know, we talk about the Joker. He's been in like a variety of different you know, mediums. Um, Hans Landa was only on the silver screen. Um, so I kind of have this other area where like getting back to, you know, graphic novels and comic books and things of that nature. Um, one that I had read a long time ago and I, and like, and, you know, I kind of actually forgot that they made a show was Preacher. And, uh, Preacher, if you haven't had a chance to check it out, um, I believe it was on Hulu or FX for a while, and I don't know if it's still on there, but it was an AMC production that came out a number of years ago. I think it only got three or four seasons, I can't really recall, um, but it was based on um, one of my favorite um, books um, uh, called Preacher, and this was created by a Garth Innes and a Steve Dillon, uh, you know, two two juggernauts in the industry as far as comic books and um, and uh, graphic novels go. Um, you know, Garth Innes, um, like specifically being, you know, still like one of my favorite, uh, you know, creators and and the stuff that he's done for DC for Dark Horse, I mean, IPC Vertigo. I mean, the guy has made um, just some amazing works and you know, really hard to find anything that, that, you know, he's touched that, that, you know, hasn't been good. I mean, he also was the creator of a Hellblazer, which is what the, um, the like famous Keanu Reeves movie, Constantine, um, is, is based on, you know, Hellblazer, um, is Constantine, but also, you know, Hellblazer himself, um, has a hell of a comic book, uh, you know, run as well, uh, that is, worth reading. Uh, you know, the movie, uh, of course, uh, like your Constantine's one of my favorites, of course, you know, Keanu, you know, at the time was, you know, well, look, he's always been a hot commodity, right? We talk about like, you know, what he is now in the zeitgeist of, you know, our, 
our society and culture. The guy is um, incredible, right? So, but you know, back then Constantine was, you know, kind of panned by critics, and it was, uh, you know, not really considered uh, um, like you know a great piece of art. Um, even though I, I mean, I loved it. I thought, you know, being a fan of Hellblazer, um, I thought it was done, you know as good as I could do it for that era, for that uh, time period when they would make comic book movies. Um, and that's really the thing about it. You know, comic book movies are tricky. Um, you know, we have examples of it being done very well. We have examples of comic book shows being done very well. Um, but for every, you know, good one that we get, there are sometimes two or three not great ones. Um, but, you know, in the case of, you know, Garth Ennis, um, like, you know, also... Uh, like, you know, I mean, uh, the, uh, he's also worked on Punisher, um, and, and of course, uh, the boys, which is uh, really the other one that, um, has become, um, like such a popular show on Amazon. Um, you know, the guy writes, you know, I mean, it's not, you know, your grandpa's comic books, you know, this guy, um, writes from a level of visceral and just a raw nature of human beings. Um, but also, you know, get it is like a comic book. So there's, uh, there's an element of supernatural, uh, like elements there. Um, of course is the fantasy, the sci-fi aspect of things. Um, but preacher specifically was one that, you know, I really, I, I really connected to preacher growing up because at the time, you know, I was being raised in you know, somewhat of a religious uh, upbringing, um, and it was kind of weird at the time, you know, I mean, talking you know, like mid to, you know, late nineties, uh, when those were being published and, and, you know, Vertigo, you know, has, has really good, like, you know, comics and, and, and you know, now you can be found under DC, you know, so if you have like the DC comic book app, you know, you can find Preacher, you can find, you know, Hellblazer, all these great, you know, Garth Ennis uh, products. Um, but preacher specifically because it dealt with, you know, heaven and hell, God and Satan and the devil. Um, but the take that it, that it, it kind of went and the way that Garth Ennis is able to, um, craft this amazing, um, story with characters that are so memorable and set pieces and, you know, the artwork is just so amazing in it as well. And then the show itself, um, you know, I thought was, was great. You know, I, I enjoyed the show, you know, veered, uh, you know, as close as it could to the comics. It wasn't, uh, you know, word for word, like a remake, um, or, or, or like drawn as a parallel. Um, it, but I still enjoyed it a lot just to see this book getting its publicity, getting the shine it deserved. It had great acting. Like I love the characters on it. Um, and primarily, you know, since we are talking about, you know, bad guys and villains here, um, you know, if, if, if you're familiar with Preacher, you can make the argument that Preacher himself could be looked at as a bad guy. You know, he's, he's, you know, he's had his moments, you know, Jesse Custer. He's, he's not the, you know, he's not a golden boy by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but that's kind of the beauty of Ennis and how he wrote all the characters, they're all so flawed. They're all full of peaks and valleys. But the one character that to this day is still one of my favorite bad guys is none other than the Saint of Killers. And I mean, holy fuck, like with a name like that, right? 
Um, <laughs> I and 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 I can't talk uh, like you know highly, you know as or I guess I can't talk high enough about the job that Graham McTavish did, um, you know, portraying the Saints of Killers um, on the AMC show, and just bringing that like my God that that like ethos and that and and that feel and that that vibe of a man who literally is so full of hate and wants nothing but vengeance and in a way is kind of justified for wanting what he wants. I mean, the path of the saint of killers is one of the more interesting paths of a bad guy that I ever recall reading about or watching. And, you know, reading about it as a kid, like, man, like, you know, and again, like, I don't want to get into spoilers on this, but I mean, I'm going to like gonna spoil a little bit about, you know, the backstory about the Saint of Killers and, you know, who he is and, and you know, kind of how he fits into the story of, of Preacher. Now, if if you haven't read the books, but you've watched the show, um, Saint of Killers is introduced in such a marvelous way on the show, the way that they c- kind of like, you know, drop little breadcrumbs in the first season. Um and how they slowly brought him in. You're like, you know, who the fuck is this guy? You know, he's like a cowboy. You know, he has a sick, you know, wife and child at home. You know, he's trying, you know, you know, he has to travel, you know, by horseback to try to get this medicine for his daughter who's sick. And, you know, a lot of that is, you know, very locked up with the comics. Um, and it followed it to the T. And, you know, what, what transpires <laughs> with... We're with the Saint of Killers is like one of the more tragic, I guess, origin stories for a bad guy. Um, you know, here he was. He had a past. He was a soldier for the Confederate Army during the Civil War. You know, in the show, they call him like the Butcher's. Uh, the He has the nickname, uh, the Butcher of Gettysburg, essentially. Um, I don't really recall that being his nickname in the books. Um, he kind of like, you know, has he's kind of like mysterious initially in the books and introducing him. He doesn't really have like a role or anything. Because they're filling in the backstory about him. Um, but essentially, he was a soldier. You know, he tried, you know, after, you know, one of like uh, like the most, uh, you know, violent soldiers that uh, fought for the Confederacy in the story. Um, and he was a guy who, you know, at some point, you know, wanted to just kind of find peace. You know, he's you know, looking for for calm after he's, you know, killed so many people and then, you know, done so many things, you know, he hangs up his gun and his saber and, and, uh, you know, sorry, guns, plural, because those come into play later on. Um, and that's kind of what, what he did, you know, and, um, he, yeah, I think it was in the books, I recall correctly, it was during, um, uh, like some raid they were like, you know, doing on, 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 on a tribe, which again, n- not, not great, right? You know, this is not, it's not being set up to really paint this guy in a great light, but essentially there was a girl, um, that, you know, was injured and he basically, um, like, you know, saved her from, uh, being, you know, raped or killed, you know, whatever they would have done to this poor girl. And, you know, he, he f- essentially falls in love with her. You know, he sees, peace in her. He sees love in her. You know, she doesn't know who he is. You know, all she sees him is, well, he saved my life. This has to be a good guy. You know what I mean? He was still a cold guy, you know, very calculating, but she saw him as a good man. And, you know, she kind of took it upon herself to try to 
like, you know, take this guy um, who had like essentially given up on having a soul, um, having heart and feeling that anything good could ever happen to him. And her goal was to try to bring him into the light, you know, so to speak. Um, but, you know, they they have a baby girl, you know, they have a daughter, you know, they settle down, they have like a farm and, you know, they're living in Texas. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, his daughter grows sick. And, you know, it was around that time that he was, you know, finally finding peace and happiness. And boom, here comes this curveball. You know, your daughter needs medicine. She's super sick. And he has to go out to venture off to try to get this medicine from the beautiful town of Ratwater, Texas, which, you know, of course, is uh, um, not a real place. At least I don't think it's a real place. I, I <laughs> um, in, in the show, in the comics, they don't uh, paint uh, Ratwater in a, in a very uh, nice light, and especially what happens in, uh, you know, to the town of Ratwater in the story is pretty hilarious. But, you know, essentially... You know, he rides off, you know, he meets a couple people on the way and, you know, he makes it in the town. He's trying to get the medicine and he runs into a guy who was, you know, so in, 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 in the show, the guy's a preacher, you know, he's a, a preacher named the McCready. Um, in the comics, it was a dude who was a former, um, army, uh, like man. Uh, but you know, he was basically like, you know, a thug. He was like, uh, like a crook. I mean, Gumbo McCready was the guy's name. And essentially, you know, he kind of tussles with, with, with the saint again, you prior to him being a saint, he's just a human at this point, you know, he's just a guy, you know, a former soldier, you know, trying to do the right thing, you know, live the right path. And, um, things don't work out well. Um, you know, he ends up shooting and killing one of McCready's men and, you know, the saint says a very, very famous line because McCready basically asked the saint to join his gang after he sees, you know, how capable he is. And the saint says, if killing set apart a hard man, every son of a bitch in Texas would be one. And he basically turned around and left, you know, hoping to leave, you know, and make it back. But unfortunately, what ended up happening is he gets ambushed by the gang later on. Um, and he, you know, like exchanges gunfire with them. You know, he tries to like, he tries to just, you know, run, like he's trying to just get away, but they kill his horse. Now he has a long way to go to get back home and without a horse and on foot without food or water, it was tough times. Um, it takes him essentially two weeks to get back to his wife and daughter you know, there's uh, like a scene where he's, you know, cutting horse meat off of the dead horse, you know, something just to like give him sustenance as he's, as you know, tracking across. Because basically winter on top of that too, you know, there's there, there's snow all over the place. He gets home and, you know, he opens the door to his home to find his wife and daughter basically dead and crows picking at them, eating their flesh. And in the show... They do a really good job of conveying it without showing too much, but it is a very gruesome scene. Basically, he walks in, he says no words, and the only thing that he had in his heart that he felt was that hate and that revenge came, you know, coming back, and he grabs his two guns and he grabs his saber, and he heads back to Ratwater. Because at this point, you know, 
what other emotion are you to feel as a husband and a father uh, seeing that, especially the reason why you were delayed and, you know, you could have been there and you weren't able to. So talk about tragedy, right? Kind of forming the origin of this character and the anger that he must have felt. What are you going to do? You know, what would you do? I guess that's really the question here, right? As as you watch these shows, like I'm a I'm a father, you know, like I know, you know, the thought of it makes me want to puke, and that, in a sense, is how they kind of use the backdrop to say, you know, here's a guy who thought he got away from it, he thought that he was on the right path, you know, he finally found love and acceptance and someone who is not judging him for his past exploits and. Look what happens. You know what I mean? Um, but, you know, just to kind of fast forward a bit, you know, it basically goes back, uh, you know, to Ratwater. You know, McCready's essentially, you know, taking over the whole place. And, you know, in the show, they kind of, it, it's a little truncated in the show. He basically heads back, slaughters everyone. But, you know, I'm not going to spoil too much in the show, but the show kind of interrupts it a little bit differently compared to the book. And this is where some of the differences start to show up. Um, how, how the plot point of the show I think was done the the way it had to be done because of the structure of how it was being made um, with a Genesis and with a Jesse's character. Um, and, you know, they had to kind of like, you know, bed that in and build up to where the saint finally enters into now current day uh, times with Preacher and what his task is, right? But in the comics, you know, they really paint a you know, a very amazing picture of this guy. And again, the artwork is really, really, really good um, uh, for Preacher and, you know, the amount of attention that they gave to the Saint of Killers and his origin and his background. Um, there was, you know, so much meat here as far as the reading and kind of like setting up what he ends up doing later on because <laughs> his, his exploits are really incredible. Um in the book and also in the show. Um, but, you know, as you continue to see his, I guess, descent into eventually like winding up in hell, I'm not going to, you know, like, you know, he does go to hell and, uh, you, you know, the best part about the saint of killers is, uh, and, and, you know, to spoil a little bit here, but, you know, he ends up dying, right? So McCready like gets the best of him. His gun basically jams, you know, as he goes back, you know, kills you know, almost everyone else. But McCready gets the best of them, kills him, effectively sending him to hell. But <laughs> you know, one of the best parts is he gets to hell, and he, at this point, you know, you figure, all right, I have hate in my heart. You know, things have not gone pretty well the last two weeks, and I kind of hate everybody right now. Um, but now amplify that by like a million, right? He gets to hell, and his. His heart is essentially, like, you know, they describe it as being the coldest heart that has ever set foot into hell. And it's so cold that it freezes the fires of hell, right? This is where we get into, like, like you know, the fun stuff here with heaven and hell. Um, and essentially the gates get shut. They get, like, frozen shut, and they will not open. The fires go out. So the devil, you know, in the in the story basically comes out of his palace and... You know, he's trying to find out, you know, what's going on. And, you know, the angel of death is there, who's a very, uh, like, key character as well here. 
Um, and you know, they, they're, they're trying to find, you know, what the hell's going on here? And you're like, oh, it's the soul of this fucking dead guy. This, uh, this dead, you know, cowboy who's just, you know, just wants revenge and he hates, you know, that's all he wants. The devil, you know, as the devil would do, basically strings him up and starts whipping the shit out of him, um, trying to beat him essentially to the bone. And, and what, what, what's great is in the show, they, they do a pretty good job of like explaining or of, of like portraying that in the show. But, you know, essentially he's, you know, he whips him until, you know, you see like his spine, his ribcage, like all the flesh on his body is gone. But he doesn't, he doesn't, you know, he, he, he still maintains this stoic stance about him. You know, he, he's not, he's not really trying to, to give in. And essentially the devil's trying to beat this hate out of him because the devil knows the hate is what is freezing over hell. His heart is so cold because of the hate that the devil's trying to beat it out of him, basically. Um, but it was untouched. The hate did not leave from him. And at this point, the devil's essentially, like, begging him to stop. You know, like, you know, what is it that you want? You know, what, you know, like, like, like how do we fix this? You know, you're like, uh, like, you're shutting down hell here. You know, the gates are locked. Like, you're trying to run a business here. You know what I mean? And... Essentially, you know, he he has a desire to kill. He has a desire for revenge. Um, you know, he knows who he wants to kill. And as far as his eyes can see, he wants to basically, you know, burn Ratwater to the ground, kill McCready, everyone else that's there, and, you know, all of it. Um, so essentially what, what ends up happening is the devil offers him a job. <laughs> so, like, the angel of death in the story is kind of, like, tired of being the angel of death and, like, bored with the job. So the devil basically offers a job to the saint of killers and says to him, you know, this is great. You know, you'll take over. Um, so they they forge two cults out of the angel of death's uh, sword, if I'm not mistaken. And it's two guns. And these two guns are two of the most like amazing comic book or like sci-fi weapons or like whatever you want to say, like, you know, fictional weapons that I've ever like, you know, read or seen. They're, they're so incredible. And in the show, they do a good job of like trying to like depict how special these weapons are. And <laughs> some of the things that, that like, uh, that, uh, he's able to do with them on top of being completely invulnerable. Like the guy basically cannot die. Um, and, and we'll get more into his, you know, powers and, you know, what he's able to do, but essentially, um, this exchange is very important because one, he's given the tools that make him the saint of killers. You know, these guns, essentially, they never run out of ammo. They never misfire. Cause remember his gun jams when he's trying to face off a of McCready and kill him. And that's what ends up giving McCready the chance to, and if I recall correctly, McCready in the comic, uh, he, I think he, he, he gets a shovel and like drives it through his fucking chest and kills him, if I'm not mistaken. So his gun jamming in real life, you know, how could this happen? You know, all of a sudden, oh my God, like I need you in, in my final moment and the gun fucking jams. Like what gives, right? So the guns, right, forged from the angel of death's sword will never misfire. They'll never run out. And every shot will hit. And this is what he's told about these guns, right? And every shot will kill. No matter what, who, thing, place, time, space, whatever. 
these guns are literally God mode, right? In these two cults that he's given. So you're thinking, wow, what a sweet deal, right? I get to be angel of death, get the exact, uh, like, you know, the devil's uh, tasks and, you know, reap souls for him. Not the saint of killers, bro. You know what this dude does? Turns around and kills the devil himself with the guns that he was just given. <laughs> I mean, if that if that ain't like poetic justice in a way, it like I don't know what is. So 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 essentially, yeah, the devil is dead, right? And then you know, so killed by the hands of the saint of killers, right? No one can stop him at this point. He's he's not vulnerable. The guy essentially is Superman, uh, but with a much cooler outfit and a and a cooler. Uh, character if i'm being honest i'm not a big superman fan um but you know the saint you know he finally returns to rat water now with all these powers he's imbued with you know invulnerability you know superhuman strength but it's mainly the guns right he heads back to rat water and kills mccready kills a corrupt preacher who was there as well but he doesn't stop there like you want to talk about hate and revenge fueling a person to do unfathomable things. He kills every man, woman, and child in Ratwater in one night. Good or bad, innocent or guilty, he killed everybody. He, you know, was the harbinger of death. That's what he was. He felt that's all he could do. That coldness in his heart was growing even colder, even tougher. And once he was done, he basically went to a hill and he just waited there for, you know, again, in his, in his uh, space-time continuum, you know, he wasn't waiting very long. But in the span of time, you know, this is like during the 1800s, this was going on. Fast forward to when, you know, the uh, timeline of Preacher is set, he's basically waiting there. Um, you know, and then you know, this is where the... F- you know, really funny part about preacher comes into play is God himself, right? Um, so God is aware of everything that's happened, you know, as as he should be. He's all knowing, right? All, all, you know, he who sees all, he who maybe plans all, hint, hint. And, you know, he's not listening to God. The saint of killers is being called to task to to fulfill his duty as the angel of death. And he doesn't want to do it. Um, but the last time that he's asked to pick up his Colts is when he's woken up to find and kill Jesse Custer, the preacher. And what ensues from there is, you know, one of the more interesting arcs of the bad guy that I ever read about, especially in the show, you know, like, uh, like Graham McTavish does a really good job of being a menace, like the way of like his makeup is and how he looks and the hair and, you know, the way he talks and he walks, you know, with the spurs on the boots, he is a menacing fucking character and he does such a good job playing it. Um, and in the comics, you know, very similarly, like he's drawn very gaunt, you know, very, you know, like scary looking character, long hair, you know, the hat on, you know, and the, the duster, you know, the two cults, um, you know, just a badass, you know what I mean? Um, but, you know, his his path, you know, once it kind of 
happens, because at this point, you know, he is now seeking for peace again after having did what he did, right? Sitting there waiting, you know, he got revenge, you know, so he thinks on the people responsible for the death of his wife and daughter. More on that later. But um, he feels, well, I'm just going to sit here and wait because now I can't die. I'm essentially this, you know, God in a way. Um, I have no other purpose. I have nothing that's going to give me any fulfillment, um, you know, and that's what he kind of goes about doing. He just sits there and waits. But, you know, when he's tracking down Jesse and Jesse's voice, which is really the, the, the crux of the story in Preacher, is um, Jesse Custer essentially comes into the possession of a power known as Genesis. And it's essentially the word of God, the voice. And with this power, Jesse is able to make anyone or anything do his will, which is a crazy power. In the show, they do a good job of kind of like slowly building this in. There's a whole, you know, he initially gets the power in the show and it's really done really well with, um, uh, with a Cassidy and, uh, um, and with a Tulip, who's a Jesse's girlfriend. And, you know, again, the, 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 those, the, the acting and the portrayals and, and the script were so good and uh, written so well. Um, and it, 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 it's funny. It's like a little campy sometimes. It's very dark, but it's definitely worth a watch if you can get your hands on it to, to, to view it. But, you know, you, you kind of see the saint kind of, you know, follow along with the plan only because he's kind of like willing to do it. This is now actually a challenge that he, you know, he takes up. But more importantly, you know, he's kind of like led to believe that he'll be given peace or you know, explanation or some type of, you know, next step in his path if he completes this task for God. Now, God in the story is, you know, preacher, I guess you could say, you know, you could say that God is also like the main antagonist of preacher. Um, in a way, everything that he sets in motion, everything that he allows every, you know, all, all the interactions between God and Jesse and even the saint of killers is fascinating. Like it, it's, it, it's a really interesting story uh, that Ennis was able to paint here talking about, you know, is good really good and is bad really bad? Like, what if there was no choice in the matter and you were bad by literal scripting? <laughs> you know, God's will was for you to be bad. God's will was for your wife and kid to die. Hint, hint. Um, it's like he's writing a play, you know, like he's writing a, like a grand story. And I think that's uh, like the show does a really good job as well of like of of portraying God as this kind of like a douchey character, um, you know, of course, you're all knowing, all seeing, and that's how he's portrayed, but he's also portrayed as a, 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 a being of many flaws, even as God. And um, I do really, really enjoy, you know, how how it all kind of comes together. I'm not going to get into a ton of details about his, you know, like spoilers on that, because it's a lot of great reading that you know, if you're interested in finding a book that you haven't read or or like watching a show, you know, Preacher is definitely a great, like, you know, pickup. And it's a great one to add to the list because, you know, it really shows, you know, and Jesse too, you know, Jesse Custer, 
again, he goes through stretches of the books and also in the show where he's kind of the bad guy himself. Um, you know, with this power he has, he, he, he kind of starts abusing it a little bit. Um, you know, he himself thinks that, you know, he is the Messiah at one point and that he is, you know, the chosen one because he was given this power. And, you know, it's through a lot of ups and downs in Jesse's own story with Tulip um, and Cassidy, his his friend, who's also a vampire, by the way. Yes, it is a <laughs> it's an interesting show and also book. Um, but, you know, it's it's really amazing to see how. You know, the the story itself of Preacher could have many, many bad guys. I mean, we talk about the Saint of Killers, but there are other characters, you know, like uh, like Her Star, who's another character who is part of the Grail, which is an organization in the story that I won't get into too much detail because it's a lot to talk about. But essentially, you know, there are many parties in the story of Preacher that could be looked at as being, you know, the bad guy or the main antagonist, you know, like the villain of the story. Um, but... You know, Saint of Killers, I think because of the stature that he's portrayed with and this just vibe that he has, like the dude is just the ultimate badass. And you feel that from the moment you see him, from from the moment you read about his story in the comics, um, you get this sense of this dude was meant for something more than this. And he's kind of given a very, very, very raw deal. And when, when, when we talk about, you know, for myself, again, growing up... Um, and the theory of atonement and sinning and, you know, getting forgiveness and praying and God and, you know, God's plan and this and other. I'm not a religious man anymore. Uh, you know, I haven't been for a long time. Um, but the, this, this, the story that Ennis is able to draw here really kind of puts the entire, um, the entire framework of religion, at least in this case, uh, you know, uh, um, like mainstream, you know, Christianity or like however you want to call it, um, on display. Like it really puts a spotlight on some of the inaccuracies and like, you know, contradictions that, you know, one might find in the Bible itself that, you know, he really kind of just, you know, leaned into, man. Like um, it, it, it like really is a fascinating take on religion itself. I mean, you talk about also, you know, with Ennis's other work, you know, Hellblazer, like, I guess, Story of Constantine. Yeah, it's another story where, you know, there is heaven and hell, but there's kind of like this agreement, right? There's sort of this kind of like marketplace or, you know, like economy and infrastructure that he kind of, you know, needles in the right areas, Ennis, and he's kind of able to draw out and make you think, why is it like that? Or why do people actually think this way? Or, you know, like maybe there's an explanation for that. I really loved how he just kept peeling layers back on the onion, especially with, you know, for some people, it's a touchy subject, you know, talk, uh, like talking about religion and, you know, heaven and hell and God and the devil. Um, I I think having the the tenacity and the confidence to write stories in light of that. And, you know, I don't know, like, in his upbringing, I don't know if he was, like, raised religious, um, but, you know, some of the overtones that are in his writings definitely come from a place of a man who knows his way around the Bible or at least teachings. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I think people who have lived that life, even, in, you know, as a youth, you know, if you decide to walk away from it, 
your perspective on the world and how religion influences people to do things and say things, you know, even sometimes at a national level is one of the more fascinating, I guess, concepts of this thing we call being a human and how far are we willing to go for our beliefs? How far are we willing to let those beliefs dictate our lives? How far are we willing to live based on those beliefs? Um, and that's kind of what, what I really love about Preacher. And I love about the character of the Saint of Killers, who a man was so unflinching in his resolve, even though his resolve was hatred and revenge, he wasn't letting anyone tell him how to live. <laughs> Because he tried doing that, you know, he tried living the good life. He tried being a man who was going to do the right thing and comes to find out the fix was in from the beginning, bro. You know, you was never going to have a fairy tale ending. And I think what's unfortunate about it is him having this history as being a Confederate soldier and, and, you know, killing, you know, how many you know, hundreds of people he killed and, you know, being the butcher of Gettysburg, you know, quote unquote. There's this, this theory that, you know, karma that, you know, you will eventually pay for your sins and all that. And I think Ennis really challenges that notion with this character because you could say, yeah, he did pay for his sins. He did pay for his crimes, you know, even though again, it was done during war, you know, he, he does pay for it ultimately. He loses the only two things that he ever found in this world and life that gave him comfort and love. It was taken from him. And one would say, well, I guess you had that coming. But Ennis is saying, you know, maybe he did, but at the same time, does that really define him completely? Does that mean that that is his end destination? Is there no way out of it? Is there no way for him to quote-unquote, repent and be forgiven and find another way back to grace. And in the story of Preacher, I guess you could say he kind of comes out on top. <laughs> um, you know, he's definitely not, not really a bad guy, in my opinion, by the end of Preacher. Um, I think, you know, he's definitely done a lot of bad shit. Like, he's... <laughs> He definitely was was an antagonist. You know, he was he was after Jesse, who again is the protagonist of the story, although that's also another gray area. Um, but you know, Ennis is really, really, really good at making you think about the dichotomy of good and bad, evil and I guess good. I don't know the other. <laughs> It's, uh, he, he's really good at challenging what we know about it. And, you know, Hellblazer, similarly, the boys, I mean, oh my God, again, that's a whole other story about, you know, your characters like Homelander and, you know, some of the things that uh, goes on there. And I'm sure, you know, that's, that, that's a more mainstream show. You know, hopefully listeners have, have watched the boys, um, on prime. If they haven't, you owe it to yourself to do it, but also, you know, read the books, man. Like, there, there's so much good shit there. But again, explicit warning on a lot of this stuff. Like, Garth Ennis, again, the dude writes without filter. And some of this stuff will make you queasy. 
But I think that's part of why he's such a great fucking writer. Like, it, it's it's hard to find people willing to stick to their guns and stick to the story that they want to write. Damn all who might have a differing opinion or, you know, say, oh, you can't write that type of stuff. Like, no, we can because life is fucked up. And these stories are not always, you know all peaches and cream. There's going to be times where life itself will do things and throw a curveball at, at you that you can't explain. And you're just trying to find a way to just get a footing and just stay above water. And life is not about that. Like life will be full of ups and downs. And I, you know, there are bad things that happen to good people all the time. And Garth Ennis, I think more than anyone is able to, take some of those real life concepts and work them into these amazing stories with these characters who are so full of, of inner struggle. And in a lot of cases, you know, mental health issues. And I I think that, 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 that's one of the great, you know, achievements of any story in writing is, you know, can you take a character, break him down to molecules Make readers and watchers hate this character, but still find a way to have a redeeming quality in a bad guy. Like that is that's a superpower in itself as a writer and 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 as a creator of content that he's been able to strike that balance multiple times. Um, and again, the Saint of Killers is you know no exception to that rule. He he is definitely one of those characters that that I. That I will always like, like regard as one of my favorite bad guys, um, and you know he's more, you know he's not like well known, you know he's off the beaten path kind of, but you know that's why I wanted to do this show, you know, and I and 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 I wish I'd kept doing it at the same pace I was doing it before, but I'm gonna get back to that, and you know I have a lot of other great you know uh, bad guys and anti heroes that I want to talk about, um, but 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 again, Saint of Killers being one that had been in my mind recently um you know mainly as as i was like you know flipping through seeing you know what new shows are coming out and, and you know things like that but you know i was like oh yeah i remember man preacher had a show on amc you know it was you know same like your walking dead you know was also based on a comic book you know that got converted that was like the original one and then um you know they started adding you know new ips and content but uh yeah man preacher was um you know, I think I think it was Seth Rogen who was behind bringing that to TV. Um, who I know is like a huge comic book fan. I know that Preacher was one of those. So I've been reading an interview with him where he was talking about similarly to him. You know, like Preacher was one of his favorite comics growing up, and it was one of those kind of like you know off the beaten path comics. No one really you know was like super familiar with. Um, but it was a but it was a story that was so incredibly done with characters and and settings that were just like amazing world building happening, but also it had heart. Like it had, it had gray, you know, there was a gray area in everything that every character did, all their motivations, their actions. Um, and it was raw. I mean, that's really the, the like key thing here. And, you know, you know, again, people will say, you know, why can't you convey that stuff without being, you know, vulgar or whatever? Uh, you know, again, life is vulgar. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I think writing it from that perspective 
and him being able to then, you know, like work with the creators of the show to get it as close as possible um, to having that tone. It's really about the tone. You know, the tone of the show is dark. It is not a show for people who um, uh, like are easily queasy, people who have, you know, weak stomachs. Um, but it is still an accomplishment in terms of acting and writing and storytelling and also still being like funny, which is really, you know, you talk about like the boys, um, like being this like amazing, like smash hit and, you know, it's been a great show. And I love, I love, you know, like, uh, like again, the round of applause. I love seeing a comic book make a successful jump to the screen medium whether that's you know movies or tv shows and i am beyond ecstatic of how good the boys is i can't wait for for this new season to come out um but you know preacher had a good i mean you know i'm glad that it got some pub i'm glad that it got some 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 eyeballs looking at it um and it may not have been everyone's cup of tea and that's totally fine you know we get into religion and then you know that that thing you know, some people, they get scared and that's kind of, you know, where, where we get, um, like, you know, people trying to now like attack or vilify a show or like a book or like a writing or even a movie like, Oh, I shouldn't be made. You're like, you're playing with fire. It's like, no, he's telling a story, you know? And the Bible is what stories, right? If you want to like, I'll break it down. Right. Um, why can't they both exist? And in some cases, the stories written, whether comics or movies that have, you know, religious undertones, I think in a lot of ways, they still convey a message that it's okay to believe whatever you want to believe in. And that's beautiful. I think at the end of the day, if we all accepted that, we'd be in a much better place as a society and as a world. That's my little soapbox there but um anyway thank you for joining me on this one ran a little bit longer than i wanted to but uh, you know i don't i don't like have have a treatment or like you know like notes when i do these things i just kind of go off the top of the dome um and you know i had a lot i wanted to talk about just in terms of you know life and <laughs> um you know how you know even though some things don't you know, don't always go well or great. And, and, you know, you're running into, you know, like hard times, potentially, there's always a way back. And I think the story of the Saint of Killers and his character arc is one that a lot of people could learn something from. It doesn't mean that we have to go down the path he went, obviously, but I think it it is a beautiful example of not giving up and also not listening to people telling you how things are going to go. You either will find a way or you will make one, um, you know, not to uh, quote Hannibal LaBarca too much, but you, 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 that, that, that drive and resolve that these characters give us, you know, whether it's comic books or movies or TV shows, cartoons, even the storytelling is so inspiring, man. And, you know, I've I've watched a lot of like content over the past few months, a lot of movies and shows. You know, read a lot of books and like comic books that have been you know therapeutic um, and so helpful. And you know, this is one of those characters where uh, 
you know, there's a guy who literally froze hell because his heart was so cold. And somehow, in the end, he still winds up in a pretty good spot. And I think there's something nice about that. But thanks for joining me on Say Hi to the Bad Guy podcast. Um, I'll have more content coming uh, very soon. Um, got a lot of good uh, bad guys and, you know, not so like uh, bad guys I want to talk about as well. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get back into this. And, again, uh, thank you for listening.